What is up, everybody? Rajay here from Rajay Bear Ventures. Thanks for swinging by to check out this episode. And this is a special one. So on Tuesdays, every other Tuesday, evenings, 9 p.m. Eastern, we actually do Bruise Days over on Twitter. And this past Tuesday, July 20th, we had Linda Cooley on, CEO of Mad River Brewing. Had a great discussion about the things that she's doing with the brewery out there in California. The main focus around Bruise Day is also talking a lot about diversity and inclusion issues. So a great place to find out some of the things you may not be hearing around craft beer. So take a listen, hoping you enjoy, and uh, crack open a beer. Cheers, everybody. I'm happy and I'm honored and I'm always in awe of what she actually does. So I have Linda Cooley here, CEO, Mad River Brewing. And when I talk about badass women of craft beer, she's definitely right up there at the top level of the stuff that she's doing out there. The things that she's putting together, the numerous awards won, the the push that she's making as far as even getting the Yurok tribe out there even more in stuff, some of the intertribal stuff taking place, the the clout she's bringing. Um, just since the last time I talked to her, so, so Linda was on my show for those that follow me on YouTube over on Rajay Beer Ventures. We talked back in March. Well, since then, she just got another award in May. So she was given the national receive, I should say the national award for public advocacy. So, like I said, when I talk about badass women in craft beer, Linda's out here doing a bunch of stuff. So I'm just honored to have you on another thing where we can talk some more and get into some different things. And Linda Cooley, CEO, Mad River Brewing, welcome. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. You almost just made me cry. (laughs) (laughs) And the day-to-day life stress and task, you just hit my heart so much. Thank you. Well, every word definitely meant, and I was thinking about before we came on here, like, I have to find a way to get out to Northern California so we could sit down and do some beers and have a good time, or if not there, maybe connect. Maybe we can create a beer tour and go to other breweries on top of mine together. Oh, that would be awesome, too. So, yeah. Um, but for those of you not familiar with Mad River Brewing, as I go through some of the stuff here to make you familiar, um, current beer line, and I don't know if anything's updated since this point, Linda, so correct me if I missed anything, but, of course, still had Extra Pale Ale, Historic yeah. State Park IPA, Jamaica Red Ale, the Undamned Hard Hop Seltzer Cucumber, the Undamned Hard Hop Seltzer Huckleberry, Mm-hmm. The Slammin' Salmon, I like that, Slammin' Salmon, Double IPA, Uniontown Porter, and Redwood Stout, right? So those are the ones you kind of revolve and everything around right now. Correct. Those are the uh, ones that we have in distribution. Okay, excellent, excellent. Now, on my channel, I've actually, you know, I've been able to do a review there with the Stillhead and the mm-hmm. Historic State Park and Undamped. And, you know, from our conversation, for the people that didn't maybe see that or may not be aware of it, couple of the key things we had talked about is how all the beers carry a certain meaning. So whether it's the steelhead about the salvation of the salmon or the historic state park and what you're doing there with the parks or basically the undamming is removing the, the largest dam project in the country um, out there as well. I mean, 
what are, I guess, the things that are really driving for the things you're trying to bring more to the table, the things you're looking at, how you're encompassing and putting these things together and the beers you're actually developing? What is driving stuff right now, I guess? <laughs> yeah. So really, we're looking at the market and what people want to drink and then what we need as a tribe and not even just a tribe, but people in general, especially when it comes to our environmental issues and really just <laughs> our living situation as indigenous people. We have a lot of things and battles we're still fighting and continuous. Um, and we really wanted to make sure that we had a product that wasn't just high quality, but delivered a message um, that you could feel not just comfortable buying, but you're proud to buy. Where I'm not just buying this great beer, a portion of this goes to XYZ that's a real matter in life that people don't hear about. And on top of supporting the good causes, you're also helping get a message out that has been stifled. Um, for most of our existence as Indigenous people. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're constantly looking at that and seeing what needs to happen. And when we know we need a new beer right now, we're looking at developing some lighter beers um, for what's trending in the market to come. And we're looking at a whole list of things that we're fighting for, we're struggling as people in general. And then we are tying that to our product and making sure that gets out. Mm -hmm. And one thing you're doing with the brewery, as I was um, doing some other reading on some things, I mean, it's kind of almost helping out as an economic engine for the tribe as well, correct? Yeah, and what we really want to do, this is one of our first off-reservation businesses, is look at it as a different category of careers for our tribal members and Indigenous people. We don't have a lot of careers where it's specifically sales or beverage, marketing, and mm -hmm. even on top of that, just having the message get out there. And even though the brewery might be a focus today, it could also help another business we have as a tribe, right? Those connections. And we all know from drinking beer, outside of loving the flavor, it's really a community event when you have a beer, right? You're enjoying it with people and you're having conversations. And this business is also providing that platform to have that conversation with others about what we're fighting for. It's just so many different levels of benefits for us that um, it's hard. To, it's hard to make a list of it. Mm -hmm. Well, a big thing you hit right there too, like the, like the community thing, right? And for any any group that's actually you know when you look at success done in America under you know the capitalism type thing that we're under, I mean it's been those communities that have been able to keep the dollars in and keep building off those dollars. So this is allowing the, the intertribal stuff, as I mentioned before, to allow them to recycle the dollars through the community, which is going to help mm -hmm. growth. But also you're getting other dollars coming from other areas now, because one of the things I didn't mention there is that you were the first tribal uh, brewery to have a contract with the national league sports team. So with okay. the San Francisco giants, which mm -hmm. is kudos to you for getting that done. I Thank mean, I know some breweries that would like just go crazy if they could ever land something with a major league team. And that I would think is helping for people that are maybe out in that San Francisco region or areas around Northern California to come out to the brewery to do stuff. Mm -hmm. So you've got a voice outside of just there on the tribal lands as well, which is pretty cool. 
Yeah, and what's amazing about the Giants partnership is we're not only touching the fans of San Francisco, we're touching their fan base in general. Mm-hmm. And one amazing thing about the Giants, which I wish every team was like this, I really feel as though they let us tell our own story and they put the message in our own hand. And sports specifically has had a really bad history of tokenism. Mm-hmm. where we have indigenous people as a mascot and we're now seeing the effects of that. So this is an opportunity to say, Hey, we are not disputing sports, but let us tell our own story. And mm-hmm. the giants is giving us that platform on top of putting us in front of other people. And we just signed a contract with um, the San Jose Barracudas, which is the AAA of the San Jose Sharks. And nice. we're going to have a Mad River bar in their new stadium where the whole bar is Mad River products. And who would have ever thought that that could have happened? But we needed that one door open, and not even just for Mad River, but for tribal businesses altogether. It just happens to be the ours is a brewery, but really it's trying to open the door for what's next. How else can we have our own voice told? And how can we let the world know that we also need economics? We can't just be stranded to one location or reliant on grant funding. And be able to get our beer out into that many hands and get feedback and get people excited. It's just amazing for any craft brewer who is a small brewery who's already up against it. And then to go through a pandemic to where it feels like we're already in a recession and to have that celebration. It's pretty amazing. And it also gives us a moment to have something to celebrate, which we all need. Oh, definitely, definitely. And, and one question that I would have as far as, and I don't know if we touched on it as much when we did it back in March, but um, coming out to the brewery, the education factor, um, like inside the brewery, I think we did talk maybe a little bit about it, but as far as when people come out there, are there different things where they get to learn a little bit more about what it's like to be a Native American? Because again, we're trying to counter back against the history that was told in books were basically the his story, right? So it wasn't really the history that's being shared to a lot of us growing up. So are there things like that they can actually learn a lot of good stuff too? And um, like I said, with the beers, it's a great position and with the beer cans about what they're about, with why you have these names or what they're actually doing. But kind of curious along those lines as well for people listening. Yeah, so we tell our history and we're actually working on trying to come up with something when there's updated content. Um, There's a fine line where we don't talk about culture because it shouldn't be spoken about around alcohol or during that conversation, but we can educate on facts and history and what we're doing and who we are. So we're constantly working on that. In fact, right now we're looking at even changing our label a little bit more and putting our story on the can, um, obviously in a brief version, but educating people and just having a platform when they come in you know, do you have a question? And we get all kinds of questions. And some of them are funny. Some of them are serious. Some of them are maybe not appropriate. And -hmm. it's a good educational moment to let people know like, hey, I completely understand why you're asking that. This is my answer because of XYZ. And even outside of just the tap room, I get people messaging me asking me questions which is really amazing to be able to connect to someone that you can't see personally due to distance and hearing their story or they're starting a business and they're a minority and they're having some similar issues we are and 
how did our tribe deal with this with the delicate balance of culture and history and alcohol? So it's really just opened the doors for all kinds of comments and learning opportunities. Yeah. So at times, I guess, uh, not to push the rope that much more further, but so yeah. there's times, I guess, you got some questions, you're kind of like, did that person really just ask that, like, type situations? Yes. So many, yeah. I can't even begin to tell you. <laughs> yes. When I worked for the state parks, I would have people ask to touch my hair or to get a picture with a real Indian or... Do I go to my medicine man when I get sick? I mean, there's all kinds of questions, right? And you forget that some people literally just don't know. They're from an area where maybe there's not a lot of indigenous people. And all they know is what they hear or they see on movies. And Mm -hmm. that's a big eye-opener. And that's another reason for this is we really need to start getting facts out there that we're just like everyone else. And I know most minorities can understand what I'm saying. We're just like everyone else. And putting us in this corner is creating this really horrific path for not just us, but everyone else as well. Yeah, definitely. It's funny because it's uh, the touching the hair is something I usually hear in the black community, especially for black women, but I haven't heard from anybody else. Really, so it's kind of interesting. <laughs> but yeah, I guess I can see where that does happen and stuff like that. And yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So. It's, uh, you know, they say you can't fix stupid, right? So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but even, and it's so good because before we weren't even, I feel like up until recently, we we're not even having conversations that this is happening. We're, we're still not having the conversations of what is cultural appropriation, how does it affect people, and how can we get around it and still live our normal lives? Mm-hmm. And ironically it's been really easy to tell it through our beer story of hey this is not appropriate this is let me educate you I'm not upset with you just let me share this information and beer again is a great vessel because we're already sitting down and having a conversation yeah definitely agree it's one of the uh the great things there that um that you uh a drink where you can talk and address different things although we did talk a little bit early before some of the people showed up about, you know, you don't maybe go too heavy politically just because you can do that. But I've been in those kind of discussions as well, too. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I wouldn't recommend it if people are down in barley wine, but you know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's let's not drink a case of that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so in, in, in looking at the, the angle of you, one, being Native American, and then two, being a Native American woman. What's it like, the experience that you've had as you've developed over time running everything? Like, you know, we hear, like, you go to these other craft beer festivals, right? And these meet- meetings, brew associate, whatever it be. And it's like 98% or 95%, whatever that number percentage, it's like all white male with beards, right? So what's it like yeah. when you come in there? Has there been, like, any time where you felt like... um I don't say animosity, but you felt like anything where it was kind of like you were kind of getting a look like, who is she? Like, is she like, you know, is she an assistant or is she like, you know, why is she like, do you ever get like feelings like you feel like people are kind of questioning you being out of place and you got to basically prove yourself even more that you deserve to be there? Yeah, I think I did before. And I don't know if I'm now just giving off the vibe of don't even try it. I'm not sure. (laughs) But I think now more I go in and the first assumption is, oh, you must be a promo. 
girl. And mm. I'm super aware of that because I've hired promo girls. I've been a promo girl. And then I tell them my position and the response is usually the same every time. Oh, 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 good for you. And I know that it's meant to be positive, but it's also still shocking that in 2022 that we're surprised by that. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes I feel as though some of the people that I am addressing, whether male or female or whatever, they kind of assume that maybe I don't know what they know. They don't realize that I've literally worked my way up almost in every single position outside of a beer driver when it comes to a brewery or distributor in this business. And they are speaking to me as if I just fell into this position. And it's usually very kind, but there's never a moment where they might assume that I have such a large history in the craft beer and beer industry. It's usually just an assumption of, oh, well, they put you here because you're native and you like beer. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. So we definitely have some room to grow. However, now compared to 10 or 15 years ago, it's Mm -hmm. significantly better, right? 10 to 15 years ago, it was hard to have a conversation with a leader in the beer industry being a female. They looked at you like, well, when's a guy going to come? And sometimes that still happens. I could be having a conversation with someone and then another man joins and it's like a little secret circle where they're like, oh, well, we'll talk about that later. And it's one of those things where you kind of feel like they're not seeing you or they're not respecting that you're there or that you can handle that conversation. Right. Right. Have you had it ever been to a point where you just like, you know, or blurt out like, well, you know, women started beer. So <laughs> take that um, in your hat. <laughs> believe me, you, I've had a lot of moments where I've had to put people in place, mm-hmm. um, especially when they assume they know so much about beer and I have to put them in check a little bit. Um, yeah. And those for me are, I don't want to come upon those moments, but I'm also like, Oh, that feels good to just lay this beer knowledge down on you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one of the, one of the key things I saw, and I didn't realize this last time we had spoken. So, um, one of the cool things about the brewery and what you all do out there, of course, the environment and everything, you're kind of doing that, but I didn't realize, so I was reading the thing. So, your brewery has like a waste reduction rate of 98%. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've actually got numerous awards. I would they call them rap awards, but they're from the California Integrated Waste Management Board when I was reading about it. But 98%, I mean, that's like freaking awesome. So it's like, there's a pride in it too. Cause I always think back, like when you learn and you do your own history of the native American lifestyle, everything was all about using it in a whole, right? Like you didn't, say, like, someone would kill a buffalo just for the fur. I mean, you used the whole animal and stuff, and there was a respect given back to nature. And I like that with the brewery, you kind of have that as well. Like, you're using everything you can possibly use and helps to set you guys apart there, I would think. Um, I don't know what mm-hmm. other breweries are out there actually doing, but definitely a kudos to you for that. I mean, how? I mean, is that something you focus on, making sure that you're getting the best out of everything? Like, I, I saw where the grain spent was being used to feed other animals and stuff like that. So you're really good about that. 
Yeah, and actually, I have some really good news to announce on top of that. The press release hasn't come out yet, but it will soon. Breaking Uh, news. Yeah, on top of our Green Waste Awards, what we do is we have local farmers come and pick up our grain and waste that we're not using that we consider waste. And it goes into feeding animals and fields and fertilizer. That way we have zero waste that goes back into just the system. We're trying to stay green. We're also re-looking at our packaging and seeing how we can even be more greener. But we are um, going to be working with the Iowa tribe of Kansas and Nebraska, and they're actually doing this project. It's really cool. It's called Smart Farming, and it's with John Deere and T-Mobile, where wow. they're able to farm things and have use less water and have less long-term environmental damage. So they're looking at, actually, we've already started, they're growing some ingredients for us. So our future ingredients will be from another tribe, which is even more tribal um, commerce together and having that same message. uh, And it will be done correctly with the environment. And on top of that, we're looking at putting a brewery in their state um, over near Kansas uh, to have beer out there. So their ingredients are going into our beer and it's just a bigger circle. And how can we even have less reduction after that? And even having them grow it as opposed to growing it and buying it from someone else. Um, We know they're doing it correctly. And one thing on our beers, we have our own certification. We have your out country certification and that goes above and beyond organic certified. For us, it means we're trying our hardest to be the most sufficient for the universe. We're trying the hardest to be good to our people making this. So we hold ourselves a little bit higher to those standards and that falls in line with that, that we're helping another tribe and we know where these ingredients are coming from. We're in contact with them. We're checking on it through the growing process. So I'm really excited to take it that next step further and start working with a tribe on a bigger level. Excellent. Excellent. I see Greg has a question there. So Greg, go ahead and step in my friend. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, uh, I want to thank Linda again for joining us and educating us because she's about to educate me here, Rod. Um, my first question is, I was doing some, I've been doing research since we um, booked you and we knew you were going to come, so I wanted to make sure that I didn't sound ignorant, but there are so, still some things that um, you can't find with a Google search. So mm-hmm. um, this one specifically you can find with a Google search, but I actually wanted to hear you hear your personal thoughts on um, just your tribe. Um, can you give us a, you know, uh, obviously it'll be a Cliff Notes version of the history of your tribe. But when I look at your, um, when I Google your tribe and I look at the lands that y'all, um, that y'all own, um, I see it's basically like a sliver um, that surrounds a river there in Northern California. Um, I just wanted you to speak to that. And then I noticed that your Brewery is not on your reservation. So how did all that um, kind of history, and then can you speak a little bit to, you know, your, because I, I don't think I heard it yet, your, um, you know, how y'all got into brewing, and then how do y'all get your location where you're at and all that? Yeah. Um, first of all, thank you for asking about my tribe. So we are the largest tribe in California. We're one of the few tribes that were not misplaced um, during colonization, which that means that we are still on some of our indigenous land that was our land since time immemorial. Majority of Native Americans were completely removed and moved to another location where 
they had no experience and no um, history of being. And even though we did have um, boarding school issues and people taken away and our land taken away, we managed to save some of our um, ancestral territory, which is incredibly important when the only tribes not moved away. And we continuously fight for our language and our culture and our land and the environment and more slow to move towards economics because that was the first most important thing is to save who we are and save our culture, um, the river. So our reservation goes one mile on each side of the Klamath River. The Klamath River is one of the largest rivers in California, and it's the biggest spawning ground for salmon, um, hence our Undam project. And what we have is there's numerous dams on the Klamath River which have pulled all the water out and we are on the border of losing the extinction of our native salmon. And we've been fighting for this dam removal for over 20 years outside of waking up to your front yard, the river being full of dead fish and thinking that it has to be the end of the world. Literally most of our life revolve around the river and what it brings. It's our food. It's our life, it's our culture, it's part of our ceremonies. Um, so that river is everything to us. And you see that in our branding and you see that in all the endeavors that we do. Um, literally everything's around the Klamath River and the mouth of it. Uh, and how we became about the brewery is I have been in the beer industry literally since my 21st birthday. Um, that's an entirely separate story. Uh, my family's deep into beer. I started on my birthday uh, and I moved away and I came home and we had the old owners of Mad River contact us and say, hey, we found out you just came home and we think that you guys could take this brewery to the level we can't. These, the market is saturated. And if we don't stand apart from anyone else, we're going to disappear. And so... Um, I took it to my leadership and told them the opportunity and they saw really the value in not just having an off-reservation business, but really a way to get our story out there. It's a vessel. So we have moved forward and the brewery is not on the reservation. And um, that was actually one of our selling points. We don't have a lot of tribal jobs off reservation. So we're hoping this is one of them and where it's located um, there's more water. We're in a drought. We're fighting for the rivers. They have not undammed it yet. It will be this next year. Um, we couldn't physically do it up on the reservation where we weren't going to harm the area we were in. So this was the next best thing. And it's very close. It's about 40 minutes away. Yeah. Um, yeah, I noticed that. Um, and I just wanted to point everybody up to the top. Um, if you scroll, I think you can, we call it the Twitter spaces. They call it the Jumbotron or they call it the Nest. I posted two links um, about the San Jose Barracuda partnership and the partnership with the San Francisco Giants. So I posted those up there. Um, Y'all want more business information on that. Um, otherwise, um, Googling um, Bad River Brewing and then clicking the news, you'll find a plethora of good um, articles on Linda. So if you want to do some um, research or you want to jump down the Mad River Brewing rabbit hole, 
Um, there's two there. <laughs> um, it's fun. It's a fun rabbit hole to jump in. So I would recommend it. Um, if y'all want to, um, for me, a feel good story about a brewery, um, um, that is brewing with a purpose for a purpose. Um, and there's just more to it than, which is my segue, your award winning beers. So, you know, you're not just making beer with a purpose and you're not just benefiting humanity, in my personal opinion. Um, Y'all are also brewing beers that are pretty much worthy of travel or swapping or trading or shipping and all that. From my view, um, looks like y'all won multiple awards. So I don't I don't know if you want to speak to that and speak speak to having, you know, um, a really good uh I believe from afar, I haven't been to your place, but I feel a really good synergy between your business side and your beer side and then your cultural side. And y'all got it all going on out there. I'm, I'm really, yeah. I don't know if you, I don't know if there's a question in there, but um, you're, what stood out to me was that when I was looking at your, um, you know, your whole resume as a whole, that I saw your award winning beer. So I, I wanted to give you, a little bit of a platform to talk about that specifically too. Thank you so much. Yes, because that's where we're all here. We do not want to drink bad beer. And we're fortunate to have a team where it's literally their passion. If you work in the beer business, I think we can all agree we're not in this industry to get rich. We're in it because we love what we do. We love the community involvement. We love the product. Um, we are very strategic and um, detailed about the beer we produce, checking it, the quality, making sure that it can get to our, um, our customers appropriately and taste the same how we expect it. We have numerous Great American Beer Festival Awards, World Cup Awards, and I think looking into the future, we're just trying to always think, how can we be better? How can we get to that next level and quality and assurance has to be first over everything else. And I think that sometimes um, if you get caught up in the marketing and the glitz and the buzzwords, um, you can forget that quality is first. Uh, you can have a beautiful label and everyone's going to try it once, but we want someone that says, man, that's delicious. I want to drink this all the time and I'm going to buy it again. And they're trying really hard to make this quality product. And I think it goes back to ingredients and even how we treat our waste. You have to think of it as a whole. And are we getting the best sourced ingredients that are still affordable for our customers? And that's something we have to check on consistently two to three times a year. What else can we do? What else is out there? What's optional? So yeah, thank you. Quality is always first. I'm good, Rod. All right. I saw John jump in there, too, so I invited him to also speak as well. Or Jay, if Jay wants to add anything as well. But, um, you know, you, you hit on the thing about ownership, and I was going to ask you, too, but I think she's a little modest about the awards. Like they, they won a good amount of awards. They were also voted <laughs> and won for best small brewing company, a small brewing company of the year as well, too. So <laughs> it's just like a little here, a little there. I mean, they, they're, like I said, badass. So, they want a lot of stuff there, but <laughs> in the old in the old ownership. So I know it goes back, I guess, with Bob Smith, who found it was Bob part of the mm -hmm. tribe as well, or 
No, but he lives really close by and he's this amazing man. And we've okay. had to make sure that we carried on those important details that started Mad River. Um, mm. And now, and we really got so lucky because how we believe culturally and caring about the environment, I can say that all of our employees in that brew house feel the same. And this new business that you see is not very much different than it was before outside of um, growth and marketing, but um, there's nothing lost there. We're just looking to extend it and grow it into that next generation. Excellent. So, yeah, because he started in 1989, but then the tribe took over ownership in 2019, right? So they took it from Bob at that point. And um, the reason I was asking about Bob because I – Again, doing the research stuff, which I didn't realize before, but Bob actually had a tie back to actually Ken Grossman when he started the brewery there. So they yeah. basically took over from Sierra Nevada stuff and then yeah. <laughs> kind of moved it over. And you guys were fortunate as well to connect with Bob. And it was great for Bob to reach out and see the opportunity for you. I have Sierra Nevada equipment in my top room that we use every day. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah from way back when everyone was getting started right and that's something i think we forget in this new beer culture when we're talking about the craft beer industry when it started mad river was part of that especially here in california and northern california we have a significant amount of breweries from this area that you see in stores all over the united states and part of that movement um definitely was mad river in there making the way and helping do that. And at that time, all these big breweries were working together because they had to, right? It was the start of a new craft beer was kind of newish at that time. Mm -hmm. And so we're really fortunate to have those roots and have that knowledge and have those contacts placed in us of what it looked like then, what it, and what it looks like now, and then what is it going to look like in the future? Right, right. And I believe distribution-wise, it's still parts of California and parts of Oregon are kind of the focus right now, right? So, yeah. Okay. Which, it, was kind of, I'm sorry. No, I was going to say it was interesting. I saw, like, you're not in Portland, though, which I figured Portland would be a great place for you to be. Yeah, we want to focus on Portland um, possibly next year. And really the reality is, is we had a pandemic um, two months or three months right after we purchased the brewery which changed everything and shut down everything. And so all of our original plans that we had when we purchased this brewery and what we wanted to do with it significantly changed. And so that had us regroup and we really just came up with a new plan because most businesses were failing at the time and trying mm -hmm. to work with our distributors and getting that set and having this territory. Now with our sports partnerships, we're really focusing on our energy to build um, the brand up in those specific areas and then go out because we have so many eyes on our product in those specific areas. And with the economy the way it is and our distributors, um, we're talking about breweries really, but we, our distributors are our customer and supporting them and their issues that they're having right now. We're really trying to focus on certain areas so we can um, just get more solid overall. Gotcha. And then John, welcome as well. If you want to ask anything or get involved, let me know here too, or 
as Craig would say, put your hand up. So, <laughs> but uh, one thing I'll ask you is again, kind of coming from a woman perspective on things, as we see more stuff arising, we just had this past week or so where a certain brewer was pretty much, let's say, crying crying into his pint glass a little bit about how he's being treated or whatever. We'll say it was a brewer overseas that's now made a footprint over here in the States, if you know what I'm yes. talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and with the views may have come up, I don't know if there's views you've had on it or discussions with other women in the brew, in the uh, brewing business or industry, as you're kind of watching this play out and he's trying to play the woe is me type thing. Any thoughts on that or any anything that kind of popped out like, you know, just from being a woman in the industry. I would love for anyone to say, what was me to step in the shoes of a native American woman in the beer industry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would love to spend a day with them and show them the pushback we have and just not being seen. And I understand we all have um, hardships and we all go through things and not everyone completely understands However, um, just as female as all of us in general, we're still fighting for normal basic rights and to Mm -hmm. be seen and heard and taken seriously. So I have a really hard time hearing um, some men really voice these struggles like we should all be surprised when (laughs) I don't feel like we're still getting the effort put in as women in general. And it's 2022. So for me, and I know other females in our area, it's really hard to hear the co- those conversations when um, it's not surprising. It happens. Yeah. Well, I would just say from perspective also from not just from being a woman, but even anybody of color, <laughs> man or woman, it's kind of mm-hmm. like, really? You just want to complain? But <laughs> mm-hmm. let's, let's see how this plays out. But we do have John here is going to ask something too. So uh, John, go ahead and pop in, my friend. Thanks, Rod. <clears throat> a good afternoon, good evening, uh, depending on where you are. Um, very, very uh, cool to be able to speak with you, Linda. And I don't know, obviously it came in late. Um, I don't know if you covered it or not, but two questions. Um, can you have more than 25 events at your brewery over the course of a year? It's the first question. And... That was really tongue in cheek for like Jersey breweries because we can't do that. But (laughs) 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 if you're you're allowed to have Uh more, then I hope someone's listening. And the second question is, what's it like um, having like a tribal owned like brewery? Like, I don't know if you covered or not, but like, how does that work practically? Like, is there like a staff, or is like like is it something like uh, similar to like the Green Bay Packers, where it's like regionally owned and everyone has like a piece and people can just kind of come in and like work like how does that how does that work oh that's such a good question um yes we can have over 25 events we don't have a limit in california jersey so behind yes um and the tribal brewery um it's kind of a little it's i think it's harder maybe a little bit for us because we're one of the very first and this really hasn't been touched. Um, we have our whole tribe uh, that vote, but then we are a corporation off of the tribe and we have to 
operate somewhat confidential because the beer business is very um, aggressive. <laughs> and some of those details would harm our business getting out. However, um, I personally get reached out by a lot of our membership. Um, I get reached out by uh, Indigenous people all over the world and hearing their feedback and their stories. Um, we have public forums for our tribe where they are giving us their opinion. Um, I have to make sure really not to violate culture and that I'm telling the right story. So to make a long story short, um, it's a brand new road and it's been tricky because it really hasn't been done before. And it's hard to tell our story sometimes without dipping into culture. And so that's what I'm learning and we're all learning of uh, where that line is. And alcohol is a touchy subject still. Uh, we had alcohol really hurt and kill a lot of indigenous people. And there's such a big stereotype, whether you're native or not, that we can't handle alcohol. And there's all these false facts that we have a different reaction to alcohol than any other race, which is complete and utter BS. Um, so it is difficult and the most rewarding because we're cutting into this category that's never been done. And some people are going to hate it no matter what. And they're not going to like me having a tribal, a tribe associated with beer. And I hear about that and I totally understand and empathize. And I think it's just as important to hear those negatives as it is positives. But then we have moments where we're able to change the narrative. And that's one of the reasons that we won this award recently is we were able to take a sports industry in general and have the very first partnership where we're not tokenized. Um, so I feel like there's really high rewards and then there's some big struggles because this path is new. I hope that answered your question. Yeah, it, it really did. Thank you uh, for clearing that up. It also um, prompted a follow up. Um, so getting back to like the sports partnership and things like that. So knowing um, everything I know now about like how difficult it is to, um, you know, operate in a space because it's new and you're just kind of, you know, finding your way um, through this. When you talk about like partnerships with like, um, and not being tokenized and things like that, it kind of connects with how I think, um, you know, black and brown people, you know, in general, just feel about like owning a brewery or being part of that, like not being tokenized for, you know, uh, you know, other people coming in and collaborating with them and so on and so forth. So do, is the partnership process like really, um, like, is it really stringent? Like, do you really have to, like, do an extensive amount of, of research with anyone that you're about to partner with, you know, because of the reason that you talked about? And yes. does that And does that come up for a vote with the tribe? Like, how does that work? Yeah, so it doesn't go to a vote for the tribe. We do it within our corporation. Um, however, I know with this specifically, because we have our own certification, it's your country certification, I feel like when I'm saying, hey, we're going to be partners, or I'm interested, I need to make sure that you're holding your end up of the deal as best as you can ethically. So we specifically approached the Giants. They're our very first team we ever approached because of the first that they've held. They have the first um, 
uh, Pride Night uniform, they have the first female baseball coach. They already have Native American um, Heritage Night. They've done so many things to fight for representation in these different categories. We honestly felt like it was a no-brainer to go with them outside of being one of the closer teams to us. We knew that they would be comfortable being that first. And that we felt comfortable that if we gave them our branding, they weren't going to turn around um, on us and turn it into something. It's not because they haven't done that yet with all the other firsts that they've done. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. And that was kind of one thing that was interesting when we first came up with this partnership of being honest with them where we're like, we are we want to start with you. This is the first in sports in general, not just MLB. It's the first for NBA, all of them, right? We had to make sure that you could hold up your end of the bargain ethically. And so even though we, we want to start this conversation, we have to let you know ahead of time that we have to make sure that you're going to hold our brand, which is the brewery, but you're also representing our people. And I think that's something important when we talk about partnerships, especially after the onslaught of people that were interested after our giants is I have to make sure that you're holding your end up of the deal. And I think for anyone who's making these decisions, really looking to the history of who you partner with is critical. Awesome. Greg, you got a question? Yeah. So part of your, part of the ethics of mad river brewing um, I've noticed is that y'all are um, very um, aware, and it seems like you've um, used your uh, business plan to be very um, uh, respectful to our environment and um, the waste. Y'all have won seven rap awards for. Um, your waste management techniques and the things that you do. I'm sure that this is part of, or maybe I, I feel that I'm sure. How about that? You can tell me if I'm wrong. <laughs> part of our, um, you know, how we go back to the tribe and we tell the tribe that we are on ethics and that we are, you know, doing what we can to, you know what I mean? Do all those other wonderful mm-hmm. things you're doing with your brewery, but mm-hmm. have respect, have respect for the land. You talked a little bit about that as far as when y'all were trying to, you know, the location of the brewery and all that and why it's not on tribal land. So I just wanted to let you talk about um, y'all ethics as far as waste management and things um, of that nature. Yeah. So the waste management, not just for us here, but for all of our tribe, Everything that involves anything environmental or cultural, it's held to the highest degree of importance and focus. And even though Mad River Brewery is a small branch off a corporation, the tribe has all these wonderful departments that have information and knowledge about what certain things do to the environment. Whether I'm talking to someone that focused specifically on watershed or specifically lands, we have those departments already and they're constantly keeping us up to date on the newest things of plastics or paper. How can we be more resourceful? 
And I think that's one of the one of the benefits of having a tribal business is we already know what those are. And for other businesses, it's an area that you're maybe not as familiar with or you don't have those resources. Um, and for us, I'm also thankful that the tribe has um, really no patience for waste or for not putting our environment first. And so we're constantly getting pushed, um, even where we're at, like, how can you get better next year? And then we have people who, um, in our tribe that offer ideas and assistance. So it's never going to be an issue where we're not trying to find the greenest way to do business. It's a non-negotiable. And I'm super thankful that again, we have that that different check and balance system that maybe other businesses don't have because for us, how we treat the land is everything. And that's a different moral code and business code, but it's still built into our model because that's who we are. Excellent. Thank you. Rod. Yeah. So Linda, in that regard, like, so whenever you team up, you have to basically check out those other companies as well to make sure they're doing everything they're supposed to do too then, correct? Correct, yeah. yeah. I'm making sure that they do not have a dark past or that maybe they're operating in the realms that we don't think uh, kind, fair, good for the environment, um, or misrepresent us or have maybe judgmental slurs in the past, we could say. Sure, sure. We it doesn't leave a lot what? to work with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really doesn't. That's the truth, brother. That is the truth. You look at some of the companies, how America was founded. That, that's true, John. That is true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but one thing I was going to ask you, because uh, you hit on that point there, like with some of the tribal members and the concern around alcohol. So a lot of times when people think of some of the Native American lands where they have different places across the country, they have the casinos. And... Mm-hmm they serve alcohol there. Do they see a difference between them being able to offer alcohol there versus having a brewery? Yes, sir. So they see that. Is it it because they see other people coming in and drinking and they're not drinking or like, how's that all work out and how they're kind of balancing that in their mind, I guess, or how they may be viewing it. Yeah. And you know what? It's not even just local or our tribe. It's natives in general. And I think it's, Alcohol really did a number on Native Americans, and there's no denying that, and it's a heavy issue. But alcohol is not the problem. The trauma is the problem. Alcohol is what you use to deal with the trauma and the problem, right? It's mm-hmm. it's a Band-Aid. And for whatever reason, and I don't really know the details, I feel like a lot of people are okay with the casinos and some definitely don't want them to sell alcohol, but it's really hard to have a casino without alcohol. They feel like making the product is really pushing it more down um, more native American indigenous people's throats to get that rate higher. And the reality is, is that we don't really target um, indigenous people. We're trying to target that um, regular craft beer consumer. And if you're looking at the drinker's demographics, it's not a big portion indigenous. We really just want to tell our story through this. And our thing when we looked at this brewery was casinos in California are one of the top sellers of beer in general. We have a casino down south that sells more beer than um, a lot of the Vegas casinos. 
that's just one casino. And we are fed these lies of we can't handle alcohol to suppress us to not get into this category. I can't imagine them also wanting us to make the alcohol and then selling it because we're cutting out a lot of people. But we looked at it as why are we not keeping that money? We're already selling it. We're already the biggest seller. How are we not making it too? And being able to connect people to there's no difference. We're really just trying to own our sovereignty if we're just keeping that money. We're not trying to shove it down more indigenous people's throats or anyone. This is to a responsible craft beer drinker. And this beer isn't the cheapest. We're not going to the masses. Um, So it's a fine line. We're still walking and we're still learning how to deal with. Yeah, I think you hit on the key point because it's funny because, you know, at the casino, they're offering alcohol to the people that are coming in or to play or whatever. And at the brewery, you're doing the same, but you're not even on tribal land where you're doing it. So you're still off land and you're still just offering beer for people that want to come there. So in looking at it, it's not really that much different, but I feel like maybe there's some people there from John's New Jersey lobby that are trying to keep the casino separate from the and John, they get to serve food out there in California too at the brewery, by the way, just to let yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where you guys can serve food with your beer? <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Linda, John. R- remind me that you know, we follow each other now, so remind me that to, to have a, a whole conversation about that. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm 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 calm right now, so I want to keep it that <laughs> way on a on a Tuesday. Oh, <laughs> yeah, they're going through some stuff. I mean, I'm in Maryland, so I'm, I'll be back home in New Jersey next month for a little bit. But uh, yeah, they're going through some stuff up there. But I mean, um, it's hard because breweries. We already just went through the pandemic, and now this economy. And I think we forget how many jobs breweries give. And when we're looking at good and bad what's out there, our mental health and having places to go and converse and having jobs, it's critical. And we're a huge part of the job market. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because that was a question I was going to ask you too. How has it been for um, jobs as far as for some of the Native Americans on the tribal land just because Mm -hmm. you always hear about the unemployment being higher there, you know, the struggles that are going through. So have some of the people been able to benefit maybe by working with the brewery or through the brewery and other different aspects or how's that all kind of worked out? Yeah. So our original plan again before COVID was to get all these programs together. And I was conversing with Davis, um, which is a college here locally that has a brewery program about coming up with a scholarship to go through their program. So we can have people like that. And the reality is, is that we go down to a bare bones crew during the pandemic and this economy and build back up. So getting people in and training them in specific areas, um, it's difficult because in general right now we're just, it's the hiring world is hard. Um, So our goal is to finish creating not just for us, but these scholarship programs specifically for Native Americans, because there's more tribal breweries coming and, Jobs on our reservation is hard to come by because we live far away and we don't even have phones all the way on the reservation. Um, I grew up not having a phone because the phone line hadn't come in this far and power only goes to a certain point. And most of the time our, our internet doesn't work. So jobs in general and industries, they just can't move on to the reservation 
And this, this business that we bought in the brewery was an idea to start that off reservation. So picking that back up now that we're hopefully on the healing end of COVID and getting those programs together is important. And also having those internships because whether they work for the brewery or not, we can help with sales and marketing and lab work and, um, you know, driving even trucks. So we're hoping that we can really push that into effect this next year. Excellent. Excellent. And, uh, John, I'm going to let you ask your favorite question you'd like to ask our guests when they're on, by the way. But before I do, just a side note to Linda, if you bring back the John Barley Cohen uh, Barley Wine, let me know, please. So um, I, definitely... I, have a bunch. I have a bunch. I'll send you some. Oh, okay. Well, well John, got... would you like to, ask, <laughs> like to ask a question you'd like to ask our guests? <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you get it before you head back home, don't be stingy. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Like, no. <laughs> I will send you some tomorrow. Okay. I'll drop it off when I come to Jersey next month. That's right. <laughs> no pressure. Uh, yeah. So one of the things, uh, Linda, we like to ask everyone is like, what's one word or phrase um, that they would use to describe um, the current state of, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, intersectionality, all of that uh, in the craft beer industry. Um, so I'll pose that question to you. Like, what would you say the one word or phrase is to describe that, you know, from your experience? Oh, <laughs> oh man. I think currently right now it would be, we're going to make it happen. I think my comment five years ago it would have been, I hope this happens. Interesting. So five years ago, um, I would say three of those have been, you know, in the pandemic and in the ether of the pandemic. Um, so what's changed? Like what changed your mind is the opportunities that you've seen. And I guess your answer will kind of, tease what we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks if I think your answer is going to be right but I I want to um just hear what your take is on on what you think has changed within the span of five years I think that even though the pandemic had so many negatives it had the positives of getting our voice out there all on more of an equal platform we didn't have that before everyone was home they were looking for things to make them feel good. And that is where us as minority um, breweries were able to tell our voice. They, people had the time to listen and they were looking to hear something good. And I feel like now that we've been exposed that we're out here and we're trying and we have so many listeners now with technology expanding and all these different platforms to listen, you're never going to not hear that again. Um, even when we did this partnership with um, the Giants, it really wasn't about it just being us or it just being the Giants. Honestly, in my heart, having a daughter, I thought it's never going to be impossible again for any Native American to think that they can't go into a professional sports stadium. And it hit me that we're changing 
and things are happening. And I've seen other um, ethnic leaders in the craft beer industry emerge and have these firsts. And I feel like there's no turning back. Gotcha. What do you think the role of, um, I'll say the state of California has played in getting your voice heard? I think not to get in anything political. Um, I think every state has its issues. However, I think California is really good at putting Native voices out there. And um, not just our state government, but our other leaders, whether it's the state parks or the parks or larger businesses in California, they're turning the focus into um, more of just what's right in general and wanting to know the truth. I think it used to be okay to just be pacified with these glorified answers. And now that's just not enough. They want the truth and they want to be part of exposing it. So I think all of our leadership in California has really changed in making that their focus. Excellent. Also, we have a lot of, we have a lot of indigenous people in California. It's, mm -hmm. it's time. We're just going to keep raising hell until we get there. Yeah, I was going to say, like, that the population also helps, um, you know, with, with getting that message out because there's just so many folks that um, look up to that and then they just kind of echo those sentiments that you're putting out through um, your product. Um, another question I have for you uh, as we're talking about sports and things like that in general um, and how it relates to. Um, you know, you you uh, attaching with the Giants and, you know, being very selective about the partnerships. Um, how do you feel when you see sports teams that may be tokenizing the Native American experience uh, then jump into, um, let's say, activism? <laughs> uh -huh. Like, what goes through your mind when you see that, knowing that, you know, you're being very intentional about partnerships, being very intentional about getting your voice out. Like what, what, what do you, what do you, I guess, what's your experience with that? And like, what do you, what do you think about that? I think it's hurtful and I think it's hurtful because it could be really easy when you have a franchise wanting to right some wrongs and just owning it and saying, how we've operated previously is unacceptable and we now see this is an issue and we have to make sure that we are giving back to something that maybe we're taking advantage of monetarily. Um, I don't see a lot of that. I see a lot of defensiveness and then trying to turn around and say, no, we're doing good. We're really, I can't speak for every indigenous person, but sometimes it feels good for just someone to own the truth and acknowledge it. Man, that's, that's horrible how this happened and what are we going to do to fix it? Um, so I think personally for me only it's hurtful when you're just not acknowledging what you did wrong and what really happened. Yeah. <clears throat> There's nothing worse than just erasing history, you know, the history. Right. <laughs> right. And then yeah. we hear that we just recently had a part go back to the original name Sume from Patrick's point. And even locally, it was, you can't erase history. How can you do this when 
that name is the original name. We're not erasing history. We're returning that. And it's okay to erase my history, but it's not okay to erase new American history. And it's a big double standard. Where, and we're not even erasing it. We're, re- we're returning the name to where it should have been. And so that's a whole nother big pill to swallow where we're supposed to just move on and not acknowledge what's still happening right now. Um, and it's one of those things where sometimes there's healing and just acknowledging the wrong. Right. And I'm glad you, you brought that up because just to, to tie it back to craft beer, um, there's a lot of erasure of um, brewing history. Um, there's a lot of erasure of, you know, um, these traditionally white spaces and things like that, you know, um, and, and what, what it can represent sometimes to people, you know, um, there's a lot of that going on. And I, I really, um, I hope that through this platform, um, when we bring people on who, you know, may not, uh, people may have not heard of before, or they may have heard of, but don't know their story. I hope that we can just kind of bring a lot more awareness to that and then have stories like this to where people can just say, oh, okay, this is what's really going on. This is what's happened. This is their experience. This is not really what's put out um, to the masses, but this is the space where people can come in and just kind of say, oh, okay, you know what? Yeah, there's a little bit more to this I need to unpack about what's going on. So, um, with that being said, um, I think that what, what Mad River Brewing is doing is, is great. Um, keep fighting the good fight. Uh, and I guess just keep, you know, trying to put yourself out there, put the tribe out there so that people just kind of understand. Hopefully um, it spawns other uh, Native Americans to uh, jump into that space uh, because, you know, that the more representation, the better. Um we could talk about beer labels and things like that, you know, to the cows come home, but, you know, having an intersectionality and having that representation will make craft beer just a more inclusive and better for everyone. Thank you so much. And what you're saying is so true, right? Like we're not trying to stifle any more growth. We want everyone and not even just indigenous. We want to see more Latin and more African-American and, more um, Asian breweries come up and own their culture and be able to tell that story and be comfortable with it. So thank you. And yeah, and I'm putting it out there to anyone who's in this position where you are a certain um, ethnicity and you are looking to tell that story and we're completely here to help or tell you our experience um, and share it. Oh, that's excellent there. Um, I was going to ask you as well, um, as far as, you know, a lot of people that are seeing you out there as it relates to like, say, some of the younger women, do you get like a lot of questions from them as well? They, they kind of see you now and I don't want to just say up on a pedestal, but they kind of see you being this trailblazer. Are you able to and then maybe you're creating like a, ne- a next generation of women that are going to craft, whether it's in beer or something else, but now you're kind of becoming a beacon for them. Oh my gosh, that's so sweet. Um, It's amazing to have women reach out and tell me what they're doing. And we have a lot of people doing incredible things. 
And I think that it's easy to think, well, no one's going to care about this or, oh, it's not that amazing. It's not that big of a deal. And then once it's unfortunately, if you can see or you can be is very true because what it does is it creates conversations of other women in all kinds of industries reaching out saying, hey, I support you and I see what you're doing. What can I do to help? And they might not be in my industry, but they're in another one that completely where we can partner together and help each other. And I hope of all the messaging specifically that we're sending to women, I think it's supporting each other and believing in each other and being here in a real way where um, we're just supportive and we're listening and we're cheering them on. So hopefully we can help each other. Well, that would hopefully, I think, be a great goal to have. And I think, I mean, <laughs> like I said, I'm impressed with everything I read. Every time we talk and have conversations, I'm more impressed every time. And uh-huh. um, I'm hoping other people definitely see that because I definitely see you out there as a leader, opening the doors, pushing through, breaking ceilings, that it has to be getting noticed by some. You never know who might be watching, but I got to think you're having an effect on, um, and not just younger women, it might be younger men as well, but just the younger women seeing, here's somebody doing all these different things. She's Native American, I'm Native American. I'm not going to see that stuff on TV. I'm not going to hear that stuff on the radio, but I've got actually a real person I can actually see and follow and you know being all of so to speak so hopefully they are taking notice because you are doing all the right things in my opinion that you're definitely uh breaking through and uh i guess in the craft beer world you know as far as going forward what are like what is there anything or something that you would like to see like in the next couple of years being done is there anything out there that kind of Pokes at you, you'd like to see something get better, something get addressed, you know, outside of, of course, us having more diversity and inclusion on stuff. But is there anything else that might be out there as well? Yeah. Um, specifically, sales and having that space in these large chain stores um, and really having the education out there on what it takes to make it in the beer industry. Sometimes I think we're clouded on that and we have small breweries start out and they have all these thoughts and plans and the reality of some of them happening are just so difficult. And I would like to see the beer industry in general, whether it's the Brewers Association or whatever, um, have a way for us to work more together and get that message out there on how you do it and how can we get more inclusive in that space? Because the reality is, is that we don't have breweries if we're not selling the beer And getting into these big stores sometimes is almost impossible. And if you don't have the experience and if you don't have a connection, sometimes it's not happening. And how are we going to navigate that? So I think supporting each other in general and the the brewing industry and finding more space for us to be successful and grow, I think that's something we need to explore more of besides just basic resources of pages you can find on the internet. Or spending $20,000 to go to a conference because that's not realistic for every brewery. Um, I think getting better, sharing our resources. Sure, sure. And have they had you speak at any type of programs or functions like the Brewer Association? Have they reached out like we want to put together, um, whether it's a personal color forum or or, uh, Native American or women, whatever it may be. Have they had you speak at any type of thing or try to bring attention to that? So we had one a couple years ago and COVID prohibited us from going. 
but there really hasn't been interaction since then, which I've kind of been disappointed because I see all these different things on all these brewing news of what people are doing. And in my mind, I'm like, man, we're bringing craft beer in this vessel that's never been explored. And we've had all these accomplishments and it's rare they even share our press release. Um, and maybe this will get some bad flack for that, but Is I think more diversity. Yeah, I think we need more diversity in the beer industry when it comes to reporting and these right. these big conglomerates we have. And they have a few that they do, and that's great, and I love that they support them. But I know that we're not ever highlighted or shared, like, hey, look at what they're doing. So I think there's room for growth. Yeah, I, I will say that I 100% agree with that. And again, just to kind of tie it back to why this space exists it's like when we were you know hatching this plan um i'll say we had gone through some names and so on and so forth and you know we decided to make it very intentional about not having a the same voices but then voices that are traditionally talking about diversity from you know maybe a I don't want to say like a clouded lens or whatever, but, you know, um, we really wanted the, the real stories. We wanted, um, we wanted like the raw and filter content, I guess. Like we want to know what your struggles are. We want to know like, you know, things like this, like, you know, for the Brewers Association to not pick up your story and talk about those things when you're partnered with um, Major League Baseball team, you know, like that's significant, I think you know, in a significant market, um, you know, in San Francisco. So it's like, that's how these stories need to be amplified. Uh, but what always has come up, uh, Linda, and I'm curious is your position on this, is that I also asked some of the folks that are on here, and we've all asked them as well, it's like, is it about, you know, breaking into a space or is it about creating your own space, right? And when you talk about having more diverse uh, voices and reporting and so on and so forth, you know, maybe it's just that, you know, I, I think if we wait on the Brewers Association to kind of pick things up, like it'll never happen, just to be yep. frank. Yep. Um, but it's almost like platforms like this and Rod's uh, show and things like that, like we all have a duty that, you know, when these things happen, we retweet, we, you know, posted or we let people know hey this person's going to be on talking about xyz and they're going to do this and that like and we have to really just kind of do it organically because there's just craft beer sometimes can be overwhelmingly a white space that you know it just creates this creates a lot of blind spots to where reporting and um you know, any any promotions are to, you know, majority of their consumers, which tend to be, you know, white males. So you're not going to get all these things. And, you know, some of the stuff is starting to creep back into it. But I think, again, if we expect that to change anytime soon, we're kind of kidding ourselves and we just have to kind of find people that are willing to, to walk that walk with us. I completely agree. And um, you just reminded me of something I think we all have to create our own space, especially when you're in situations like ours. Um, 
it, that the this industry is not created necessarily to highlight uh, some of these minority breweries, whether we want to admit it or not. And I know that we're pushing to create a category for indigenous indigenous products in general, and even that contacting Amazon 10,000 times and getting responses and getting teased, but never any follow-up of its time. And how are we going to, how are we going to create our own space? But really it's just keep fighting and find those people, like you said, that support us and amplify them and even just call it out. And I think this is the first time I've ever mentioned about the Brewers Association really not sharing our stories And I'm not doing my part if I'm not just stating the facts and calling it out and making aware to other people. So I actually really appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah, not a problem. I always try to bring a different angle. That's why Greg keeps me around. (laughs) 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 But, but, but the follow up on that, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll let you jump in there for a minute, but there's been, the Brewers Association on the own, you know, is another, um, another story, um, because, there's, <laughs> because you have like the National Brewers Association, you know, for, you know, and speaking from, you know, experience, they are starting to pick up the Jersey story, um, and, and the laws that are going on there, you know, at a national level and reaching out to people and saying, Hey, there's anything we can do to help, you know, so on and so forth. But I don't see the Brewers Association making the same or putting the same energy in, you know, things to uplift um, places like yours or tell those stories of, of those folks. Like they're not, it, it almost seems like, you know, in a perfect world, the Brewers Association would have publications and press releases and things like that, but they would always make sure to highlight, you know, their ongoing work with diversity and, and, and things like that. Um, and I don't know if that's something that people that are working with the Brewers Association from that angle are, are working on and maybe they're hitting roadblocks, but I just don't see it um, as much as I would see it in like a local publication that is talking about it. You know what I mean? And to me, it just speaks volumes that, you know, it's not, to me, for my lens, it's not really a priority right now. No, and I feel like on the Brewers Association and other big, big beer news medias, I'm seeing a lot of stories about the same things over and over and over again. I see a lot of the big breweries and what they're doing and who they're upsetting. And I think once in a while, we get a feel-good story with a face maybe we don't normally see. And then I feel like it just stops there. And you're right. Whose who's fault is that? I'm sitting here and accepting it. And still I'm a member of that organization when maybe we need to rethink of that. If we had all the peoples in the Brewers Association that don't feel seen and heard, what would happen if we said, hey, this is an issue. Maybe this isn't something we want to belong to. Yeah, and taking and I, that ownership. Yeah, and I think it's more than just having like, like sessions and like um, seminars at um, you know CBC and things like that. Like I think it's it's more than that. Like I think it almost you know needs to be um, 
to the point to where it's like a you know if the bird association is serious about it like a like like an offshoot um so to speak you know uh, and what I mean by that is like would the Brewers Association during CBC say we're going to sponsor a you know an event with you know minority brewers that are in our membership and we're going to highlight them and we're going to do X Y and Z and I don't know if if there's space for that but if it's not the Brewers Association then maybe there needs to be a subset of that Brewers Association that does it on their own. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And being part of that to create it, I think is necessary. And you've just given me a new project. Hey, there we go. (laughs) Yeah, I think, I think that definitely hits what both of you guys had. And from my conversation with the Brew Association, I've brought up different points, reaching out to them before. And it's always like, oh, we're working on this and we're working on that. It's kind of like, well, you're not really doing it. That's one of the things, like, I've had people ask, why don't I look to join some of these things? And the benefit I have and the stuff that I do is I'm independent. So I can say or do what I want to do and not have to worry about a repercussion and being tied into it. That's why I love sharing the stories, like, about Linda and these other breweries that are doing some of the good work out there. So uh, at the other point, you know, like, from Linda's perspective, what they're got to consider on their end as us being in beer stuff, we consider on our end. And there's a point where we have to turn up heat too on the Brewers Association and things like that. Like, why aren't you telling the stories? If they get hit with enough stuff coming in, that's going to change their attitude towards things as well. So mm-hmm. it's, it's almost like I look at them and I go back to my DJ days on the radio. It's like they're pretty much the top 40 pop station out there and we're more alternative. So we got to yell louder and play more stuff to get their attention that they're looking over to our field to see what we're playing. Like, hey, we need to get some of that on our station. You know, so we have to amplify our voices as well. I agree. Yeah, we just have to be louder and consistent and get other people in our situation to be speaking up as well. And there's power in numbers of we we have to have uh, more of an even ground if we're really calling ourselves an all-encompassing association, whether mm-hmm. it's one or another. Indeed, yeah. indeed. Yeah, and again, California is is ripe based on population for um, something like that to kind of take place. Mm-hmm. I agree. We definitely have the voice and the numbers and the drive behind it to um, put these matters first. And maybe it starts in California and we push it outward. Uh, but I am thankful for being in California and being a tribal brewery because I think in other states it could be significantly harder than what we're already facing. Yeah, um, you might be a little state that knows something about movements. Yes. <laughs> Go ahead. But also the tra- to the trajectory that y'all are on um, is going to create a situation where they won't be able to ignore you at some point, I believe. Um, I, um, it doesn't, you know, this doesn't exempt them from, um, either missing you intentionally or not, but again, the trajectory that y'all are on, um, as long as y'all stay on this path, I believe that you will be too big to ignore at some point. Um, I think you are already, but it's, you know, sometimes word gets, you know, sometimes word has to get out grassroots. So. Um, I'm just excited to see 
where all these um, nice uh, partnerships that y'all are nice, and I feel genuine partnerships that y'all are forming, and where those could go even in a few years. Thank you so much. And that means the world to, I know me and my whole team when we're in this battle every day, and there's a lot of difficult days that, you know what, we're going to keep it up. And one day we're going to have a different problem and we'll be handling all the business and um, people that are asking for help. So thank you. I appreciate it. Well, we definitely appreciate everything everything you're doing. I don't know, John, do you have another question there? Uh, I was just going to say that, like, the youth movement is going to kind of help accelerate some of what we're talking about. I think that um, the younger generation um, that's coming in now, uh, by the time that they are ready to be uh, alcoholic beverage consumers, um, are really going to... Um, have a mindset that Linda has. Um, they are going to spend their dollars, you know, with companies that don't have a checkered pass when it comes to um, equity, inclusion, um, you know, and things like that. Like I think they're, and you know, even even social, you know, those of other social issues. Like they're going to spend their money accordingly, um, and it's just you know, nature's going to run its course, you know, as far as that's concerned. But um, anything that we're doing now, uh, we have to appeal, um, you know, to that crowd. That's what's going to move the needle. Now, what we see right now with the younger crowd, just in, you know, my opinion, and, you know, some of the numbers kind of tend to support that is that, you know, canned cocktails and seltzers and so on and so forth are kind of like the drink of choice now. So that's pulling market share away from craft beer. And it'll continue to pull market share away from craft beer from a calorie standpoint um, until those folks, you know, get married and they don't care about their parents anymore. (laughs) And then they'll just say, but then they'll look for a local brewery and then they'll just say, hey, I want a local brewery that stands for something, you know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. so on and so forth. So I think that you know, we just have to kind of wait our turn a little bit um, with some of that kind of stuff. Um, but then at the same time, try to infuse as much youth into what we're doing right now, because that's just going to carry the torch, uh, so to speak, for the next couple of years. So, you know, Linda, I would say if, if there are some young aspiring uh, brewers in the tribe, like that is the way to do it. Um, get them involved early, you know, get them, uh, you know, galvanize for the fight that's ahead and and you know best of luck with with all of that thank you i appreciate it and we absolutely will as many people as we can getting involved and showing them that there's opportunities beyond what they thought right everyone in our community like you don't have to dream small dream big right and we're going to be here to help you get there so rod i have two final points um Number one is I looked at the map here and um, for someone who is not um, from California or I've only been there to visit a few times, um, the geography of California, in my opinion, is um, awesome and sometimes very, um, you know, we get our ideas about how big it is. California is huge. It's a big (laughs) place. It really is. 
Um, but lengthwise it is. And I just want to put the context up um, as far as what your, um, your partnership with the Giants. And I just want everybody to know that the Giants and the Giants are five hours away from Mad um, River Brewing. And that to me says something as far as their, um, well, both sides willingness to, you know, be partners. And normally when we have these kind of deals and things like that going on, you know, the brewery is sometimes right up the street from, you know, the place that the, you know, the sports is, you know, is held. And the fact that, um, Mad River Brewing to me is five hours away says something even more about the partnership and how special it is. So that's number one. Um, I'll, I'll give you a chance to respond to that if you want, or you don't have to. It's just an observation from me. Um, and then number two is this. I just would like to friendly remind Linda that I can accept beer packages in Wisconsin too. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't too proud to beg, <laughs> Rod. I just wanted to say that. All right, Linda, um, I just wanted to thank you. On that note, on that self-promoting note, I just wanted to thank you um, again for um, coming out and talking with us. And you're welcome on my Friday stream at any point if you would like to come and tell your story there. And I, I definitely um, look forward to you and Rod um, uh, getting back together for another session on his stream. So um, I'll be looking forward and keeping an eye out and if I'm ever in Northern California, I will absolutely make sure that you know that I'll be stopping through because you've put yourself on the map for me. So, and Rod, I want to thank Rod too for doing, uh, making this happen. So yeah. Um, thanks Linda and good luck. Thank you so much. And clearly I have to send you samples before I'm on your show. So you need to send me your address because you can't do a show if you don't taste the beer. So we need to arrange that. And um, everything is far away. And I'm super glad that you pointed out the distance because no partnership is easy. And I think it also reminds everyone that you just got to take a chance. And when you think it's not possible, maybe it is. And you are never going to sell anything if you don't take that chance. And so I think just aim high. Well, first Greg was after my East Coast pizza. Now he's after my beer. So we're family. So family share. That's how I look at it. <laughs> I was an only child. I have a little selfish tendency. It's all good. But no, Linda, it's been great having you on here and um we definitely appreciate you taking the time. I know we're an hour and a half here, so we let you get back to whatever you need out there. But um, I guess uh, with that being said, anything you want to do or say in the closing comments about anything upcoming with the brewery? And, of course, I'll just say, I mean, you already know, but anytime you guys have stuff going on, always reach out to me for the press stuff, and I'll get that stuff out there as well through the various social media outlets and I do have people that follow me out in California, so I'm sure they would be definitely interested to find out more. Yeah, I just want to thank you personally, because no matter what kind of day or week, I tune in to your podcast and I read your tweets, and it's uplifting, and it's nice to have someone share news that isn't always shared. So I think 
for myself to take away is share more of these great beer podcasters and to ask everyone to do the same because it's the news that we don't hear. And that helps all of us. Um, we're not going to be where we are if we're not getting that message out. And it doesn't matter if my beer is available right at this moment in your area or not. Just having that buzz and support, I think, is um, a good reminder that we're all in this together where you do a beer, a podcast or you run a brewery. And as far as the brewery, we're about to announce our partnership with the tribe of creating that co-op and also creating a category um, for indigenous products. And that's going to be our next step. And Absolutely. thank you again. And you need to come to Cali and we need to go on a beer tour. Definitely, definitely. And Greg mentioned about my thing, but, you know, he's modest in himself. So Greg has his daddy Porter channel also that he does on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter here where him and Doug do different things. So I'm sure they'd love to have you as a guest at some point as well. I would love all of it. Let me know. And maybe we can just do a, a group trip. Yeah. <laughs> that can work. <laughs> With that being said, I guess we'll go ahead and get wrapped up. And thanks for everybody that listened here. Hopefully, it told me there'd be a recording at the end. So, going to try to get that recording. <clears throat> and then for those that follow the podcast, not just the YouTube, but the podcast that's now out there, uh, Rod J Beer Venture Beercast. If I get the recording, I will put that up for this uh, Sunday as well, since I'll be on vacation in Ocean City, Maryland. I'll put that up to actually uh, play so people can hear it back there as well and share it with other stuff, of course. Bragger. <laughs> yeah, right. Trying to, be, trying, to be like, trying to be like you, Greg. Trying to be like you. <laughs> no, man. Well, I'm just saying the vacation part. I'm, you're bragging about that. Shut up. Yeah. Tell you, but this week they saw a, shake off, a shark off the uh, coaster at uh, Ocean City. So I'm not sure if I'm going into the water. So yeah, they've already shut down beaches up in New York because of shark sightings. But, you know, Nothing to worry about with climate. I mean, just because the winters are getting warm doesn't mean it's getting more dangerous, right? So, yeah, <laughs> it's just that that ocean that breeze off the ocean, man. You can't pay enough for that, in my opinion. I love that. Yeah, yeah. I guess some saltwater taffy, I'll be good. So, yeah, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Quick thing again. Thanks. I want to say thank you to Linda as well. Sorry, I came in a little bit late. Um, <clears throat> you know, parenting, but uh. Definitely um, enjoyed the conversation, and I followed Mad River and Linda, and I'll be paying attention to what they have going on. Um, and you know, we will. Um, I'll be picking up the hosting reins in two weeks uh, with my man from my brother from you know the other coast now, uh, my man Samara uh-huh. from from, uh, from <laughs> you know more winning journalist, and he also does uh, marketing for. Uh, Mickler or McCullough, however you want to say it. Uh, so we're going to get into some, you know, another another Cali person, you know, of, of the of the East Coast. So we're gonna we're gonna dig into um, the differences between Boston area and the Northeast, um, and what we saw from a diversity, equity, inclusion standpoint, and then what he sees in California, and what I saw in my short. Uh, stint in California uh, on a business trip and the differences of, of between the two. That'll be a fun conversation because I think it'll, it'll inform a lot of what um, I see on the East Coast, but then more importantly, what I see on the West Coast and how I think they're light years ahead of, of what's going on the East Coast in this diversity, equity, inclusion conversation. So that'll be fun. Yeah. 
I'm super excited to hear that. Well, you throw on Ray Ricky. We've had three California people now on here. So we kind of, yeah. we've been to East Coast and West Coast. We kind of, we have been to flyover except for Greg being out there in the Midwest area. <laughs> <laughs> kind of skipped the flyover. Yeah. You know, folks. No, but he does, he does, he talks with Afro Beer Shake, you know what I mean? And that's Chicago. So we have that. That's true. That's true. But, but I do think it's important for us to highlight those differences and things like that. You know, because I, I think that the East Coast, the Northeast in particular, sometimes has this superiority complex um, in relation to the South and, let's say, the Midwest, as far as, like, diversity, equity, inclusion is concerned. And, you know, Jersey's not Alabama. Jersey's not Ohio, obviously. You know, apologize if anyone is on here as family in Alabama or Ohio. But, you know... Um, Sometimes when you when you look at it through the California lens and you've been out there for a little bit, and again, I was only out there for about a week, but it was enough for me hanging out in bars and breweries to know that, hey, this is way different than what I'm used to on the East Coast and in a good way. So it's just like, you know, for, for all the, you know, superiority complex that we have, I think the East Coast should be ashamed of like how far they are behind some of these issues, considering that, you know the country kind of started on that side. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, but maybe that's part of the problem. Maybe, you know, old habits die hard. But but getting into that conversation next week should be very interesting. Sounds awesome. So, yeah, so next week or two weeks, right? Oh, yeah, two weeks, sorry. Two weeks, two weeks, yeah. Yeah, so, I'll post it once we get out of here and, you know, it'll be August 2nd. Yeah, I want to listen to that. Because colonism started there, and colonism is what we're still fighting. So I'm excited. Yeah, I feel like colonism also started in Africa too. But... <laughs> yes, yes, sure did. To that, but... Sure did. I want to call in for that episode too when you when you do that. That was no, but you know what? That was a bad import. Brings <laughs> up a very very good point about just how like it started there. It kind of became more of a social norm there and so on and so forth and it's just like you know i i can't say that like it's it's that way in philly as much but you could definitely listen to some recorded episodes if they're available of you know the folks we talked to in philadelphia and how the type of struggles that they've they've gone through and you know things like that but you're you're absolutely right like sometimes and again like we'll get into it in a couple of weeks but um, and the genesis of that is like when we had Ray Ricky Rivera on and he kind of blew me away with like, Hey, you know what? Southern California, like I've got this, you know, the largest homebrew club and like, there's all these folks that are like into it. And I was like, man, that's crazy. And Samara and I were just kind of DMing back and forth. And I was like, do you want to be on like an upcoming space? Like at a certain point I said, because I feel like you and I have like, different perspectives of like how this is you know how this is on the east coast versus west coast and he was like absolutely like it's definitely more chill out here than it was when i was in boston so and you know um i really want to get his uh perspective on it and i really would hope that we can get some folks from both coasts in there to kind of talk about those differences and and just you know 
figure it out because it, it, I feel like we have a boatload more work to do here on the East Coast than, than in the West Coast. And, you know, that's going to be very daunting for us, I think. Excellent. Anybody else have any closing words here or questions or comments, remarks? All right. Well, I think we'll go ahead and get it wrapped up. Thanks again, Linda, for being here and keep doing what you're doing, of course. And uh, great show as always. Loved having you on. And I know we'll have you on my other stuff at some point here again as well. And I guess we're going to wrap it up. So thanks for everybody that tuned in. Make sure to follow Linda, check out Mad River Brewing, and uh, we'll go from there. Thank you, guys, and thanks to everyone. I appreciate it.